Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. And then by your planting the seed, and that person's watering the seed, God gives the increase, and that person becomes a child of God. And it's this simple. We're to touch the lives of people that are around us in this very simple way, just letting them know that God reconciled them unto Himself through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not talking about a religious debate. We're not talking about sitting down and going over all kinds of things that pertain to religion and religious ideas. Just to drop the word on them that Jesus said you must be born again. God has redeemed you. You're no longer guilty before God. You know, the Holy Ghost will take over. That's not going to be my message tonight. That's going to, I'm going to wait for Sunday morning to do that and talk more about that. But my message tonight is, is this. As children of God that are not only born again but spirit-filled, it is our responsibility and duty also to minister the life of the Spirit to each other. Did you know that? That's true. Look at the book of Galatians. In chapter 3. You know, you can help people in this life who are children of God by learning how to minister the life of the Spirit to them. How to be effective, in other words, in touching their lives with the Spirit of God or the life of the Spirit that flows out of you because you are Spirit-filled and you have the life of God in you. God wants us to be ministers unto the world and ministers unto each other. He wants us to learn the art of communicating the gospel to people that are out there in the world and also to communicate the life of the Spirit to those that are in the body of Christ. And if we'll do that, we'll be exactly what Jesus said we should be, ministers to one another. If you view yourself as being a servant and as being a minister, you know, you've got half the battle won right there. That's right. Some people think that they really can't tell somebody else about Jesus. That they're not really qualified. If you're saved, you're qualified. You know why? He's made you an able minister of the New Testament. All you've got to do is say, I was lost and now I'm saved. Did you know those words pierce the hearts of people that hear them? There was a fellow that came into my life and just began to tell me about the things of God that he already knew. You know, it made me jealous and I was envious of that person. He quoted to me one verse from the Bible, and I was just saved at this time, but he quoted one verse from the Bible that absolutely turned me right side up on the inside. He said, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. I said, where's that at? He said, 1 Corinthians, you look at it. I'm going to tell you something. I went wild on the inside. I was jealous and envious of what experience this man had in God. And it moved me. It was a, a right kind of jealousy, you understand. It moved me to get into God's Word and find out more. It did. And I did. I mean, I wanted more of what God had. 
And that's what motivated me to do it. By seeing somebody else whose life was close to God. See, it moved me to want to be closer to God myself. You know, you can be that kind of person. In the book of Galatians chapter 3, in verse 5 it says, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? I want you to notice, he that ministers to you the Spirit. That's not just talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, Pentecostal people that are baptized with the Holy Ghost, I think sometimes feel as though they have it all and they can just stop right there and that's all there is to it. And if you get somebody else filled with the Holy Ghost, that's all there is to it. And, you know, as far as that part of your spiritual experience is concerned, you've reached, you know, the highest plateau. That's not true. Now that you're born again and spirit-filled and you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, you realize that you have just opened up the door, just the door. You're on the threshold to all kinds of spiritual experiences in your life. And there's a whole lot to learn about the Spirit of God and how He operates in people's lives. That's an absolute truth. I want you to know that right now in this place tonight, because you are here... You can be touched by the Spirit of God right where you're sitting. There can be a person here right now who might be in a a despondent state. Maybe some terrible thing has happened in your life. Maybe it's a personal matter. Maybe something happened that your insides are just being eaten out. You know what I mean by that? Emotional hurt that is so painful that you don't know where to go. You don't know what way to turn. I want you to know that being in this place tonight where the Spirit of God is, where the presence of God is, the life of God can be transmitted to you and the Spirit of God will hover over you and touch you as only He can to affect change in your life. And you know what, beloved? It's our responsibility as children of God to be consciously aware of the fact that we can minister that kind of life to other people. God wants us to do that. I called somebody on the phone today. It was a prompting by the Spirit. And, you know, when I had called, I didn't realize any circumstances that were going on. But I just called just to say, you know, some general things. You know, I just called because uh, I want to tell you that, you know, we love you here and we thank God for your life and, and so on. And then that person began to reveal a few things over the phone that were happening, you know, in their lives. And we just went right off into praying. And before long, before you knew it, I mean to tell you, it was like God's presence just came, went right through that phone on both ends. Because I began praying in the Holy Ghost. She began praying in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost was everywhere. All around us. You know, the Spirit of God was manifesting Himself. And then before we concluded the conversation, she said, you know, you called right at the right time. I cannot thank you enough. You don't know what this has done for me. Do you see that? And sometimes you can be prompted by the Spirit of God to call somebody. And you might think, well, I'm just not capable. I'm not an effective minister, you know, uh, of the gospel. I can't tell them all kinds of things. All you've got to do is say, the Spirit of God prompted me to call you. I want to pray for you. Can you pray in tongues? You can pray in tongues right then and that's all you've got to do. You know, the Spirit of God will take over from there. The presence of God will come upon that person. The power of God will be made manifest to that person. And that person will have a change. Spirits can be lifted. 
Where there was discouragement can come encouragement. Where there was dismay can come spiritual initiative once more and motivation and the zeal of God and the fire of God. You know, we should get before God daily and say, Father, as I go through this life, may the fire of your spirit go before me. May the zeal of God emanate from me. May those I come in contact with be refreshed, not by my presence, but by the presence of God that manifests through my life. And you know what? It'll happen. You will see the life of God's spirit manifest unto people that will affect change. And we're going to talk about some change that will bless your soul. So right here it says that if you're going to minister, you can minister the Spirit to people. And you do it how? By faith. And so this is what we need to learn to do. And God wants us to really be conscious this year. As in years gone by. But, but I'm talking about this is a brand new year. This is our direction. We want to be more effective in ministering to the Father. So that His life and power and ability will be ministered unto us. In us. And then we can go about and through us, His life can be ministered unto the people of God around us. And also, non-believers. You know, Jesus lived in a world of basically non-believers, didn't He? And He was always connected with the Father, wasn't He? He was always in an attitude of receiving from the Father the power and the strength that He needed to minister to all those non-believers out there. And He was effective in doing it, wasn't He? You know, there were those that came to arrest him. And I'll tell you what. They listened to his words and went away without arresting him and said, I've never heard anybody speak like this before. When they went back to their superiors and, and, and they said, well, where is he? And they said, I've never heard anybody talk like this before. What happened? As he spoke words, the Spirit of God hovered over them. The Spirit of God manifested himself to them and they were touched. I'd like to think in my heart and mind that some of those people... Down the road somewhere got saved. There were many that got saved, you know, in Jerusalem, even on the day of Pentecost. I like to think that many of those that were there, that heard him speak, that were affected by the spirit that moved him, were saved. Amen. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because you want a chief place among the many that will be in glory? You want to be honored there? Before God's presence, we all do, don't we? Or do you just want to barely get in? How many of you want to barely make it through the pearly gates? Any hands going up out there? Father, all I want is enough to make it in. As long as I get in, I'm okay. You don't want that, do you? Man, if you want heaven, you want all that heaven has to offer. Amen? And if you want to be jealous about anything and envious of anything, be to have more of God in your life. I want more of God. I want more of God's presence, His power, His ability, His strength. I want everything that God has to offer. And I want to be a channel of it all here on this earth. Like Jesus, He was selfless. He didn't live for Himself. He lived for others, to serve others, to minister to others. And that's the key thing to ministering to others, beloved, is to recognize yourself as being God's servant. And remember, if you're His servant and you have a ministry of reconciliation, then it's apparent to me that He has equipped you to be effective in telling other people. You could just use your very own testimony. Like I said, I was lost and now I'm saved. I'm, I'm found. And I know Jesus is my Savior. You know, that'll make a non-believer jealous. If they really want to know God, I'm telling you right now. 
I was a non-believer, you know, and in, during that particular time, I didn't know it was God's Spirit convicting me, but He was convicting me. And, you know, during that particular time, someone came up to me and said, I know God. And if you want to know Him, you've got to be born again. Oh, I fought Him tooth and nail. I mean to tell you, you know, I put on my, my religious indignation, my religious cloak, and I just began to spew out some things. I didn't know what I was talking about. But I thought, who are you to tell me and all that? But when I went home at night, I thought, he really knows God. <laughs> I didn't. It made me jealous. It made me envious because that fellow knew God and I didn't. You see, that's how God works on us, so to speak. By His Spirit. Conviction. And then finally, one day, I, by the Spirit of God, got a hold of things and I got saved. And I thank God for that. You tell that to somebody, it'll make them jealous and it'll move them to seek God. It'll motivate them to know more about Him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. No, we can't do it by ourselves. But we're not sufficient of ourselves to think anything of our, as of ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God. Say this with me. My sufficiency, My sufficiency. is of God. In other words, God qualifies me, God equips me, God enables me to do what I need to do. So God is my sufficiency. Now listen, who, is, who also hath made us able ministers. Are you an able minister? Well, He made you an able minister when you got saved. Of the New Testament, of the New Covenant. See, let that be your confession of faith daily. I am an able minister, servant, see, of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. You ever notice that connected with the Spirit is always life? The words I speak unto you, they are Spirit and they are life. God's Spirit always wants to give life. From the very beginning, when you read God's Word, the Spirit comes on the scene for the purpose of imparting life. And when we learn that, beloved, and know that He is in us producing life, so that through us He can produce life in other people's life, then we'll recognize that He is the one that is at work, and we're not sufficient in ourselves. But we don't have to be sufficient in ourselves because our sufficiency is of God. So all I've got to do is just show up on the scene, recognize I'm a servant, and just begin to tell people my testimony. I was lost, but now I'm found. Jesus is my Savior and my Lord, and you can be born again too. With those words, you know God's Spirit begins to hover over that person's life. Do You have to believe that. You have to believe that the Spirit of God begins to hover over that person's life as you minister the Spirit to that person. I want to show you that. Go on back to the book of Genesis, if you would, please, with me. Genesis chapter 1. You are an able minister of the New Testament. You are an effective servant of the Most High God. You can do whatever God has told you to do because your sufficiency is not of yourself. Your sufficiency is of Him. You have His ability. You have His strength. You have His life on the inside of you. And you also have the ability to impart that life to somebody else. You can touch someone else with the life of God. 
You can help someone who's in a hopeless situation because you have got the life giver on the inside of you. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Well, here we have the first reference to the Holy Ghost in the Word of God. And this reference represents Him as moving upon the chaotic waters of life. At that point, the whole world was in a state of chaos. The earth was without form and void. It was empty. There was no life form whatsoever. Seemingly under judgment. Because of some incidents that took place in the pre-Adamic age, the earth was now in a chaotic state, a troubled state, an empty state. We see the Spirit of God coming upon the scene for what purpose? You'll find out that purpose is to give life. I want you to hold with me, if you would, for a moment. And, and turn to Isaiah chapter 41. Hold those thoughts in your mind. Isaiah 41. I want you to see that the earth was not made that way from the very beginning. God did not make the earth that way. And that's the wrong verse. Well, the verse there in Isaiah, which I'll locate for you and I guarantee I'll give it to you, says the earth was not made without form or void. It was not made empty and incomplete. It goes on to say that I, the Lord, created it to be inhabited and that it was perfect in its beginning state. Now, with that thought in mind, I want you to look at another verse in Isaiah 34. In verse 11. But the cormorant and the bittern shall possess it. The owl also and the raven shall dwell in it. And he shall stretch out upon it the line of... Now notice these two words. Circle the word confusion and the word emptiness. Confusion and emptiness. Those two words. If you look up those two words in your Greek concordance... You'll find the two words used there are the identical words that are translated without form and void in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Without form and void are the same words used right here, confusion and emptiness. In the beginning, the world was in a state of confusion and emptiness at the time that the Spirit of God came 
upon the earth in Genesis 1-2. So, we understand that God did not create the world in a state of confusion and emptiness. It was without form and void or confused and empty because of, of man's, because of Satan's fall and because of angels that rebelled and whatever took place on this earth as, a, as far as an act of judgment is concerned, it left the world in that chaotic state, empty and confused. Well, the Spirit of God now comes on the scene being the life giver. He is hovering over the face of the earth because God has another plan. And God wants to set some things in motion that's going to bring life into this state of chaos, emptiness, and confusion. Now, go on back, if you would, please, to the book of Genesis. And chapter 1, that same verse, verse 2. And we see that God's Spirit is spoken of as moving upon the face of the waters. Look at verse 2. God moved upon the face of the waters. And that word moved there in connection with the Holy Ghost is really likening Him unto a bird that is setting upon her eggs for the purpose of bringing life. Through its life, through its body heat, sitting upon its eggs for the purpose of producing life or vivifying, bringing life to those little ones. The Spirit of God, in other words, moving like a dove upon the face of the earth in such a way that it's going to bring life or vitality where there's chaos, where there's confusion, where there's emptiness. And that's one reason why the Spirit of God is also likened unto a dove. Because He is the life giver. And this is one way that He manifests Himself. Well, beloved, I believe this can be used to illustrate the lives of people today. As a result of the fall of man, many people's lives are in a state of confusion, emptiness, and they're void of life. A lot of people are that way as a result of man's fall and as a result of circumstances that take place in life. Some people are empty on the inside. There are many voids on the inside. There's a lot of confusion in their lives as a result of the fall. As a result of really not knowing God or being hooked up with God like we should be, people are left empty and confused. And they need help. They need ministered to by the power of God. Well, just like the Spirit of God hovered over these waters and brought life as God spoke the Word and vivified everything there, and the world is as we see it and know it today, of course, it came, the fall came after that, but brought life back to the earth is the same way the Spirit of God hovering over an individual's life will touch that person in such a way that it will fill the voids, remove the emptiness, and rid that person of all his or her confusion. 
And that's exactly what the Spirit of God does in people's lives today. Just like He did way back then, He will likewise do the same thing today. If we only understand that. And He wants us to understand how the Spirit of God works in this manner. I want you to look in the book of Revelation, if you would please. Chapter 11. If your life has been chaotic, if you have sensed emptiness on the inside of you, if you've had heartache and pain and turmoil, or maybe you haven't, but you know someone who has, and you don't know what to do to help that person to recover from that state of emptiness and, and fill those voids and rid that person of the confusion that they have in their lives, I want you to know that you have the greatest of all tools. You have got the Word of God to give that person And the Spirit of God, as you minister the life of the Spirit to that person, will quicken that Word and produce life in that person's life. You and I cannot heal people's hurts. But God can by His Spirit. We can't take them out of their chaotic state. But God can by His Spirit. And you, beloved, as a servant of the Most High God, and I have the life of the Spirit. And we can... Speak the word so that God's Spirit would hover over that person's life and work on them and deliver them and bring life to them. Vivify, which means to bring vitality and life to that person. Make them alive again. I want you to see this in the book of Revelation in chapter 11. Now, to give you the setting, this is talking about the two prophets that were to come back and they were supposed to to minister on the earth. Now let's pick it up in let's say verse 3. I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, now listen carefully here, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. We believe these two to be Elijah and Enoch. And their bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues of nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them, That dwelt on the earth. Can you imagine that? Now listen carefully. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from or out of God entered into them and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. Beloved, this is, this is an example of what the Spirit of God can do in the life of an individual. This is the same Spirit that comes or flows out from God at work in the earth to vivify 
or bring life back into two dead bodies that were lying there on the streets three and a half days about to decay and bringing them back to life. It's the same thing that took place in Ezekiel 37 when we discover in that chapter in the Valley of Bones when all these bones came back together again and then the Spirit of God hovered over seemingly what was nothing and brought life back into dead bodies. It's the same thing in the beginning when under judgment the world was in a chaotic state of emptiness and confusion and the Spirit of God hovered over and brought to life. Brought to life these two that were lying there dead for three and a half days. Brought to life those bodies that were there for who knows how long. Their skeleton, their bones brought back together. And then the Spirit of God hovering over them and bringing life once again into them. And they lived again. Just like here. And there was great fear. Beloved, I want you to know something today. You have that spirit of life that comes out of God on the inside of you. If you are a Spirit-filled child of God. I have that same Spirit of God in me and He wants to manifest Himself through me and He wants to touch the people that are around me and around you. We have the potential to release and unleash the same Spirit of God that worked and wrought these miracles in those days gone by. And He's here in us and wants to manifest Himself through us to touch the hearts of people. To bring them out of their confusion, to fill their voids and emptiness that they may have in their lives. And He can do that if we'll only give ourselves to Him and allow Him to do so. Turn with me to 1 John, if you would please, in chapter 4. In 1 John in chapter 4, we see another verse that makes reference to the Spirit of God in our lives. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 says, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Another thought about the Spirit of God, likened unto a dove, is that the dove is gentle, the dove is kind, and also the dove is full of love or lovely, or loving. The Spirit of God in our lives has brought to us the very love of God, the very heart of the Father God. And every single one of us has that love on the inside of us. And here it says, as we manifest that love, then we know we dwell in God and God dwells in us because He has given us of His Spirit and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. But I want you to back up once again to verse 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him. Here's how we know. This will give us knowledge that we dwell in God and He is dwelling in us because He hath given us of or out of His Spirit we have this love. His Spirit is in us, hovering over us, and out of His Spirit has come this same love. And this love that we have, we are to love the people of the world with and the people in the body of Christ with. And as we love them, God's Spirit is manifest through us, and we minister the life of the Spirit, which now becomes that love to vivify or to bring to life those that are around us. 
you will affect those people with the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, when you are long gone, when you walk away from that person's life, do you know that hovering over them will be the Spirit of God manifesting the love of God that you just imparted to that person? Until they come into contact with somebody else who starts to complain and fuss and fight and argue and tell them why they shouldn't, you know, be doing this and they should be doing that and all that. He'll stay there, though. You know, that's why when you come to church and we gather together around this altar, you know as well as I do, it seems like a change takes place in your life. You're in a different kind of an atmosphere. An atmosphere that you don't want to leave. And you really desire that your whole Christian experience could be that way. You get back out there on the street and it's a whole different ball game, isn't it? What's happening? That spirit of life and love is manifested in a greater way right here. But you know, we can maintain a higher level of that even in our daily walk if we only understand it, that we do have the Spirit in this capacity and in this way. God took care of the confusion and the emptiness that was in the world by speaking the Word and His Spirit quickened all the Word that was spoken. God can quicken people in the same manner. He can take care of the chaos. He can take care of the, of the confusion and the emptiness that people have in their lives if we're only conscious of the fact that we minister the life of the Spirit to them when we speak the Word of God and we love them with the love of God. And they'll be lingering in those people's lives that ever-present Spirit of God to help them deal with the problems that they face in life. I want you to look at another verse. In 1 John 3 and 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know, this produces knowledge, that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Once again, by the Spirit that has come to us from God or out of God. I want you to notice here once again that the Spirit of God can be made manifest to people that will make them consciously aware of the fact of their need to be obedient to keep the commandments of God. Here's this illustration of it. There was a woman who was doing her dishes one day and she was accustomed to prayer. And so she knew what prayer was all about. And all of a sudden, she had this inward consciousness or witness to pray for her child. Her child was one who wanted to serve God, but was weak at times and would fall into sin. Well, all of a sudden, she had this urge on the inside. And while she was doing the dishes, she began to pray in the Spirit. She's praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost, when all of a sudden, while they're doing the dishes, she has a mini-vision of her son. She sees him walking down the street, Walking into what they called it those day, in those days a dive. Just about to walk into a dive and sin big. And he actually walked inside the doorway, went right on the inside, stood there, when all of a sudden something hit him. I wonder what that was. The Spirit of God, through her prayer, was hovering over her child's life. As he hovered over that child, all of a sudden, all these thoughts began to go through his mind. You know, there's a battle sometimes with sin, beloved. 
And there, you know, it's a struggle when it comes to temptations in this life. Thank God for a praying mother. Thank God for a praying father. Thank God for a praying mate. Thank God for the power of prayer. She knew that although she was not there, she could minister the life of the Spirit to her child through prayer. You realize that the Spirit of God hovered over that child and he stood there and collected himself and I mean just shook himself free and by the presence of God, the Spirit of God that was hovering over him, his confusion was removed. His emptiness was gone. See, people have voids in their lives and they feel this is how I'm going to be satisfied. That emptiness, that sense of emptiness was gone. His confusion was gone. And he stopped right there and said, I don't need to do this. I've got God in my life. Turned around and walked, out, walked away. Went running home. Went inside the house and said, Hey, Mom, you never guess what happened. She said, Yes, I could. You went to walk into some one of those dives and you stopped there in your tracks and the Spirit of God came on you and you stopped and you turned around and walked back out and said, I don't need to do this. I mean, he stood there with his mouth just hanging open. How did you know that? See, it was through the power of God. See, beloved, we limit ourselves. Do you know that you can minister the life of God to the person sitting next to you right now? Do, are we conscious of that, that you're an able minister of the New Testament? I want you to see something else about the Spirit of God. We need to know the Spirit of God. Look at 2 Peter in chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 and look at verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is a verse that we oftentimes will use to let people know that the Holy Writ was not written by mere mortal men. They were moved by the Spirit of God, our words that describe the power which influenced them to write the pages of this Holy Writ. There was an action of this divine agent over these people's lives that lifted them above the natural state into the supernatural state. And the words that were penned by their hands were authored by the Holy Ghost Himself. And I want you to know, beloved... That likewise, the Spirit of God will move upon the lives of people so that they will be moved, maybe not to write or to pen the Holy Writ, but to live that which was written. And you know, that's what He wants us to be consciously aware of, and that's what He wants us to do. He wants me to minister life to you by the Spirit, to move you to live the life of the Word. He wants you to minister the life of the Spirit to somebody else to move them to walk in the light of the Word. Before I ever knew the Word of God, God's Spirit was all over me. What about you? I mean to tell you, He was all over me. I'd go to bed at night, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I'd wake up in the morning, why am I saying that? I had no idea why. Live that whole day. I'm not talking about a 16-year-old boy. You know, I have a good time the next day. You know, whatever a 16-year-old does, I forget. But anyhow, had a good time. Went to bed that night. 
You know, I'd go to bed at night, all of a sudden, something would come on me. I didn't know what that something was. It was the Spirit of God, the life of God's Spirit hovering over me to get me to respond to the Word. But I didn't know the Word. And so all I could do is cry out, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Why was I so conscious of going to hell? Because I wasn't saved. And the Holy Ghost was making me quite aware of it. What I'm saying is, beloved, we can minister the Spirit in this same way to people through prayer, whether they be standing right next to us or whether they're out and about in town somewhere or if they're in another nation. Do you know that you have that ability? Do you know that you are equipped to minister the life of the Spirit so that He would brood over them? Hover over them with the heat and the warmth of God's love and life to get them to become doers of His Word? To feel their emptiness and to, to dismiss their confusion? To feel their voice? We can do that. And we ought to encourage each other in this fashion and learn to minister this kind of, of life to each other. I'll tell you what, when God prompts you to make that phone call or to pray for that person, you call that person out by name. We've done this in prayer. And we've seen tremendous results in people's lives as a result of unleashing the power of the Holy Ghost over people's lives. See, beloved, this we've got to be aware of because in order to be effective in ministering the life of the Spirit, we have got to recognize how He operates in the earth. And I'm going to give you a, a, just a real quick insight as to how you can be more effective in ministering the life of the Spirit. Number one, the first step is that you have got to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit for yourself so that you can be filled with His presence. In other words, He must manifest Himself to you first. That's the first step. In other words, I want to know all about you. I want to understand how you work. I want to know how you operate. I want to know everything I can about your ministry in the earth today. Open yourself up to the revelation of the Spirit so He can manifest Himself to you or make Himself known to you. Be conscious, in other words, of His presence. Number two, you must then allow Him to minister to you, to fill you up to overflowing with His presence and power. You have got to be ministered to by the Spirit. And that's what Jesus was doing. When He got out there in prayer, He said, I, I of my own self can do nothing. He would just get Himself into a, a position or a place alone with God where He'd be filled up with the Spirit to overflowing. Now, the third thing is allow Him to manifest Himself through you. Number one, to reveal Himself to you. Number two, to actually minister to you. And then number three, manifest Himself through you. And that's why we want to look at some of these verses of Scripture to see exactly what He does. He hovers over. See, he, just, just like a bird is hovering over its eggs 
supplying the warmth that is necessary to, to vivify or to bring life. He is hovering over the earth. Here's an example. He is hovering over the non-saved world, is he not, to produce conviction. Look at it this way. Just like a bird hovering over its nest, the eggs, to, to produce the warmth, the heat, the love that is necessary to bring forth the birth. He is hovering over the non-saved person to convince that person of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's what He is doing right now. You're conscious of that. You're also conscious that you want to say the right words to that person so you can help the Holy Ghost as He is hovering over that person to bring that person to a place of conviction and also of accepting Christ. Right? And likewise, He is hovering over that individual out there in the world today. It could be your son, it could be your daughter, it could be your husband, it could be your wife. It could be anyone, anywhere, at any place, at any time. But He is there and you unleash His power, you unleash His presence, you release His ability. What you loose on earth will be loose out of heaven. And so you loose Him and He is upon that person's life, hovering over that person's life. And why is He there? He's there to manifest the warmth of God's love. The presence of God's life to do what? To quicken that person out of his confusion and out of his emptiness and to fill every void and to bring order out of chaos to that person's life. Can you say amen? amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord as our praises and musicians come. Hallelujah. I told you I'd locate that verse. It's Isaiah 45:18. It says, "For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God Himself that formed the earth and made it, He hath established it, He created it not in vain, He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is none else like me. He created it perfect, a perfect place, not chaotic, not empty. And not confused. And you know what? He made you the same way. He made every single one of us the same way. But because of the fall, man is in a state of chaos, isn't he? Confused and empty. And he doesn't want you to be that way. He wants you to be vivified. Full of life. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.